There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of WCN-TV. I'm Rob Hugh, your host, and this is Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. Got to remember to thank uh, Leighton Howerton, our uh, uh, guy that, uh, national recording artist that wrote our theme song. Got to thank our uh, producer, uh, Spencer, always doing a great job for us, and uh, we have some great guests for you today. You know, our country continues to endure the tragic consequences of our choices. The choices made as a nation to turn away from God and choose instead to worship sin and self. You're all aware of the many tragic consequences we're talking about and will be talking about on today's show. But today we'll also be offering some hope for reclaiming our culture, our freedoms, and our sanity. As our country and the world spirals out of control, most people you know are going to be finding themselves utterly lost and hopeless, in complete despair. It hasn't hit most of us yet, but it's coming. I believe it must come before we'll humble ourselves and repent and turn back to God individually and as a nation. Because human beings are so hard-hearted and stiff-necked, God often has to bring us to desperation before we'll cry out to him and repent. When this national despair hits, those who have chosen sin and self rather than Christ are going to be desperately searching for answers. And of all people, Christians should be the ones who have the answers. We should be the ones who can offer hope and truth and life. Are you prepared to give those answers? Do you know how to talk to people now, reasoning with them even in these days when people are so deceived and confused and choosing to believe the lies? If you don't have the courage to speak the truth now, will you have it when we're in the midst of devastation? If you don't have the courage, it's probably because you don't know what to say or how to say it. Well, today we have two special guests on the program, so I'm going to jump right in with them now. I want to give our guests as much time as possible. First up, we'll be speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Colonel North was the counterterrorism coordinator on President Reagan's NSC staff, He's now the CEO of Fidelis Publishing and Fidelis Media. One of his latest books is titled Tragic Consequences, The Price America is Paying for Rejecting God and How to Reclaim Our our Culture for Christ. You can find this book online at faithfultext.com and also olivernorth.com. During the second half of the show, we'll be following up as we talk with Rusty Thomas of Elijah Ministries. Rusty was here with us in June, and our viewers loved meeting him. I think you'll find both of our guests today will complement each other very well with the information they'll be bringing us. But with that, Colonel North, welcome once again to the show. You know, you become become sort of a regular here on WCN-TV, and our viewers love it when you're on. So, welcome. Well, I love being on with you, Rob. Thank you very much for the opportunity to do so again. Great. We're um, we're kind of covering the country. We have uh, Colonel North in Virginia. We have uh, our producer in North Carolina. Rusty's out in, in Texas, and I'm sitting here in Wisconsin. So, um, And we have viewers all over the place, so I don't know where you guys are from. But uh, anyway, I have to say that as I started reading your book, Colonel North, um, I was thrilled. 
Um, and I had to wonder to myself, is Oliver reading my articles out of Wisconsin Christian <laughs> News? Because it sounds like you're using the same words that I've been saying for the last, I don't know, how many years. Well, I don't want to plagiarize you. but No, course, you didn't. You didn't. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior often use the same words because they came out of the same book. It's not one you wrote or I wrote. It's the Holy Bible. Yeah, it's the same Holy Spirit talking to both of us. We get the same downloads, I guess. Yeah. So, well, you know, your book is laid out really well. In each chapter, you discuss the tragic consequences we're dealing with, and you explain the thinking of those who hold views contrary to God's word. But then in each chapter, you also explain what we can do personally about each situation. You also provide scripture passages and references for people that they can use when they talk to others and share the truth. So I really appreciated that. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you, my friend. This book was written by two U.S. Marines for Americans who are concerned about the cultural decline that we see all around us. And I'm sure it came as a surprise to the New York Times that Marines can not only read, we also write about mm-hmm. being always faithful, semper fidelis. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, the, the prologue of the book is titled Lessons for Today from Noah's Ark. I wonder if you can share a few of those thoughts with us. Well, you you got to remember that Noah was castigated by all of his friends and neighbors that he was wasting his time and energy and and that there's never going to be a flood. The fact is we're in the midst of the flood right now. And, and, And what we're looking at is the timing for the release of this book was intentional. The 2022 election season is underway. And those that we nominate and elect are going to define the future of our country and that of my 18 grandchildren. And so in the aftermath of all that's been going on that we've seen happen, and this is not a political statement, this is a, a spiritual statement. The aftermath of all that's been going on, massacres, the, the horrific events that are taking place in other parts of the world that affect all of us. We wanted to make sure that this book was, if you will, a, a how-to manual to use the good words of the Holy Bible to give us guidance to get back to where this country once was. And what's happening in our country is a common question today. And so we're descending into a culture of darkness, depravity, a society that's totally lacking in moral restraint, where the sanctity of human life has little value. And we watched uh, over the course of the last several months, horrific massacres killed by armed assassins. Uh, We've looked at hate-filled 18-year-olds opening fire in a crowded grocery store in Buffalo, New York, much closer to you than where I am. You look at all those kinds of events, the, the horrific massacre that occurred in a public school in Texas, all those kinds of things that are happening are connected back to the sanctity of human life. One of the common grounds that all these perpetrators have to include the, the things that are happening in, in places like Europe and, and, and what's happening in the Ukraine is the desire to kill other human beings is depravity. And I look at those kinds of things happening and I say to myself, all these killers have something in common. They reject the sanctity of human life. And so in the aftermath of those things happening, my dear friend, uh, Dave Getch, you've got the cover up on, on the screen right now. We've texted and tweeted and we said, we've got to put this out so that people clearly understand what we're trying to do and what we're trying to say. And it's not how many people can memorize Bible verses. It's not not just pastors who put on a great show on Sunday afternoon. What we're talking about is returning to the idea of repentance from sin and the ideas of how we can find salvation, just individually and as a nation. So we're, we're very obviously committed to the kinds of things that we would like to see others do. And it's not just the words, it's the behavior of men like David and me I'm a role model for my 18 grandkids. It's too, it's it's not too late for our kids, but they're grown and they've got kids of their own. And so I want at the end of my days that my kids will say, he showed us, taken from Paul's second letter to Timothy, he showed us how to fight the good fight, how to finish the race, and how to keep the faith. And for Marines, keeping faith is important. So ending this cultural degradation is 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 it a major effort and the tragic consequences of failing to do so the anti-god campaign the far left has been waging for for decades 
All of that is a consequence of not behaving the way a Christian should. And that's our, our book is, I hope, the kind of, if you will, it's an ideological, theological, spiritual adventure that we're on. And when I hear the anti-God ideologues decrying the violence and the crudeness of our culture, I want to ask them, what did you think was going to happen when you drove mm-hmm. God out of our schools, our government, and the public square? I'll give you my starting point. My high school class of 1961 was the last time prayer in public school was allowed. In 1962, the Supreme Court decided in a case called Engel versus Vitale in my school district that the prayer we said as kids, and I've got, I still remember it's just like the, the Boy Scout oath and things like that that we memorized. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. That was the prayer. And today there's people who want to take out the words, in God we trust, from America's America's coins and and currency. I mean, think about where we've come to since we started driving God out of our culture. This is an effort to get us back to where we belong. Well, and the book is very readable. I I would commend it to everyone. It is, I like that you mentioned it's a how-to manual. Um, It really does help you. Um, to get a handle on on the situation, you give the history, you give the the, the situation, and then you give the how to uh, speak to people, how to how to how to witness to people, and how to reason with them if there is such a thing uh, as reasoning with a with a leftist. <laughs> so you, it's hard. You, you lay it out. You lay it out. But chapter one is called uh, America's biggest problem. What is America's biggest problem? Well, it's right there on the cover of the book. The idea yeah. that, that, that we, we, we're playing God. I mean, think about some of the things that are being advocated right now, not just critical race theory. How about the idea that God gave you the wrong gender? How about the idea that you can change something? This is almost the, the kind of things that, that animists practice in, in far parts of the world that have never even heard of Jesus Christ. They've never heard of the Bible. The idea that man can play God. God came and became man and the son, the son of God, Jesus Christ. The trilogy is real. Uh, when you look at those kinds of things, Rob, you say to yourself, well, how can somebody play God by changing their gender? That kind of thing. And so we've had rebellions in, in, in school boards right here in Virginia. It began here in Virginia, and we ended up electing a new governor as a consequence. As I said, the timing of this book was not an accident. We want to be, encourage people to find people like our new governor here, governor here in Virginia who, who knows Jesus Christ. He's been in my Bible study. I've hunted with him. He's the kind of man that you want as a neighbor and as, as a friend. And that's the kind of thing that we need to do all across America, not just in governor's mansions or in state legislatures, but in school boards and in county councils and city councils. Those are the kinds of places where we need examples of how to live as a Christian. And unashamed of the fact that we're all sinners. Jesus Christ, I mean, I read one of our conversations today was all about the kinds of people who Jesus Christ came to talk to. And it drove the Sadducees and the Pharisees nuts because he came to be with sinners and show them, not just by his words, but by his actions, what a real hero does. And of course, it was offering his own life as a sacrifice for us on the cross. And then his resurrection proving death is not the answer. Now, all those kinds of things are, the, are, I think, the kinds of things that Americans need to be reminded. That's what our founders had in mind. That's what they had in mind when they created the only documents, the only seminal documents for any country on earth that pays homage to God Almighty, the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. Also written, I will shameless self-promotion for Virginia, by Virginians, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. And that Bill of Rights, these these immutable facts of what God promises us if we stick with him. And, and my, my version of Romans 8.28, there's nothing that can happen to you in life, nothing that won't turn out the right way if you trust in the Lord. That's, my, that's, that's the marine version of Romans 8.28. Trust Amen. in the Lord. And, and hopefully I'm showing my grandkids how to do that. Hopefully Proverbs 3, 5, and phone. 6, too. You so, got it. You got yeah. it. So, well, you you mentioned um, 
Um, I didn't make that phone call go away. Sorry. That's okay. No, you mentioned our American history and how uh, the country was founded on Christian principles. You know, I, I publish articles on a lot of different platforms, a lot of different websites, and uh, I just happened to check one of them yesterday, and an article I had written had was just barraged with uh, God-haters uh, talking about how American it was never founded on, a, on a, any Christian principles and, and uh, how our, all our founders were deists, you know, and, and, uh, or atheists, and... and uh, it's amazing the delusion that's out there well, and the, and it, the ignorance of history, even. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, one of the efforts in the far left in America, and, and they're seeing the consequences of this, not blamed it on COVID. The left is saying that the reason why a million school kids have not gone back to public schools is because of COVID. That's not true at all. The reason they have not gone back is the parents have suddenly awakened to the fact their kids are being taught first of all, heresy, and number two, wrong-headed beliefs like this idea that you can change your gender. Yeah. The bottom line of it is what we've got to be about is ensuring that we show our kids, in my case, it's my grandkids, how a Christian man lives. And I'll, I'll be very straightforward about it. And, and this is in this book as well. My wife is very seriously ill. She was diagnosed at Mayo Clinic with a very rare malady. Uh, it has always been terminal. There's no one who survived it. There's no medications for it. There's no treatment for it. There's no cure for it. I still believe in miracles. And so we pray every day, our kids, our, our dear friends, like they were once in my Bible study, we pray every day for a miracle. I still believe miracles happen. Now, it may turn out that that's not what the good Lord has in, in mind. I'm not going to be disheartened by that. I pray that the good Lord is going to take her gently if that's what he's, if he doesn't want to work the miracle in front of us. I understand that, but I want my grandchildren to know that I'm looking forward to seeing my wife again because we know where we're going and why we're going there. We we beg for forgiveness for the errors and sins that we've committed. That's why that's in the title. I want to make sure that people understand not one of us is perfect. The only perfect person who ever came to this planet was hung on a on a cross outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, and and look what we did to him. And so I want I want them to know by my behavior what the difference is going to make. And so part of my behavior is going on shows like yours, Rob, and explaining to people why this is important, not just to me, why it is to everybody. I got asked the other day, on, I take very few flights anymore because Betsy can't go with me. And, and she's it's, it's such a situation that a lot of the things that we were looking forward to do in our geriatricy, we're not going to be able to do. But the idea is, of what we wanted to do, we pass on to our kids. And why? And, and so after 53 years of marriage, and we're about to have number 54, I look at that as an opportunity to show our kids how a man behaves when one, one of the dearest persons on, in my life, in fact, the dearest person in this world, is, is going gonna, is gonna to leave us. And I want them to see how that transition from this part of eternity to that part of eternity can be gentle. And, and that's what we're hoping to be able to do. Amen. Amen. Anyone uh, have any comments for Colonel North at this point? Rusty. Well, I've, I've been down that road, Colonel North, uh, several times. I lost my bride when she was 38 years old, mm. 10 children. Uh, woke up a, a widower with 10 kids, two in diapers. And my first two prayers, I looked up at the heavens and I said, Lord, seriously, what are you thinking? <laughs> and then the, the second prayer, are you making a movie or what? Seriously. Uh, it was, yeah, it was like waking in the morning, boys. Uh, so yeah, and I've lost, uh, two children along the way, a son, a daughter. And so my family knows a lot of that pain, a lot of that sorrow, a lot of that suffering, a lot of that mourning. Sure. But I've also seen the goodness of God through yeah. it. Our our faith was non-negotiable. It was not for sale. Um, so we didn't take the response of, you know, shaking our fist in the heavens and getting angry at God. 
I, I just came to the realization, Colonel North, that my bride was more his wife than she was mine. And, and those children of mine were more his children than they were mine. And it, it belongs to him. We're bought. <laughs> you're bought with the price. We sure. belong to him. And we can trust him with that, Colonel North. Well, there's that wonderful passage in John. I would that those who are mine be with me where I am for my greater honor and glory. And of course, the words are those of Jesus Christ. I want them to be with me. That's that's exactly. the assurance. I put it this way to people who ask. I said, we know where we're going and we know why we're going there. We just don't know when. <laughs> and you and I are, are in that latter part of the season. And I, I, I got to tell you, brother, I was never one of those guys that longed for heaven. I never dreamed of the pearly gates or the streets of gold. I, I just wanted to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I just wanted to storm the gates and advance the kingdom of God. But now that I'm getting up there in years, uh, <laughs> I got to tell you that my priority in my soul is, is changing. And there's starting to be a longing, brother. There's starting to be a longing. Oh, yeah. It, well, you know, and, and one of the great things about coming to this point in life is all my filters are off. You know, I, I, we have conversations with the, mostly the older grandchildren. It's our, our span, college graduate, all the way down to diapers. Okay, so <laughs> we, the, our conversations are appropriate. And so I, I get asked the question, well, was it love at first sight? I was actually introduced to Betsy by my cousin who worked for Betsy at the Hecht Company, which used to be a very successful, it's gone now, but a very successful uh, large department store. And she majored in marketing at Penn State. And so my cousin introduced us. And the kids will say, was it love at first sight? I said, no, it was lust. Mm. I didn't know Jesus Christ as I, I know now. She's you. a beautiful woman. And my brother and I were, my, my next younger brother was getting ready to go to Vietnam. I was still a midshipman at the Naval Academy. and Kathy, our cousin, had said, you know, I tried to get your older brother to date this girl. And he, he says, his, his words were, if the Marine Corps wanted me to have a wife, they'd issue me one. <laughs> right? and, so, and so he convinces me to take him over on a Saturday morning to the mall where that company was, Montgomery Mall, Maryland. And we're going up the escalator to where women's accessories, where she was the retail sales manager for it. And Jack looks up and says, I don't know what this Betsy person looks like, but if it's anything like that gal with the long legs, miniskirts were in. Miniskirts, right? This is 1967. Miniskirts and long blonde hair. If it's anything like that gal at the top of the stairs, I will date her. Well, turn wow. out to be her. Wow. And so, and, and we've had this, this remarkable blessing of not everything was easy. We came, no. I think I, I, th I told this to Rob at one point. 1975, after two combat tours, and getting ready to extend to be there for the evacuation of Saigon. I, mm. I, wrote, I, I wrote her a note and said, I'm, I'm extending my tour. It's not going to be 13 months. It's going to be closer to 24. And she wrote back and said, talk to my lawyer. And so wow. for, for the next several months, we communicated through lawyers about the divorce that was going to happen. Wow. Right? At the time, we had two kids. And my battalion commander sent me in to see the chaplain. And the chaplain had Quantico, which is where I was assigned. When I got back from the, from overseas, I didn't extend my tour. Uh, the chaplain was uh, Larry Boyette, Baptist pastor, uh, wonderful guy, great marriage counselor. And the battalion commander said, you need this, what this guy's going to do for you, regardless of how this whole thing comes out, because you don't know who your Lord and Savior is. Mm. And I didn't. And so I walked into the, the chaplain's office, and there is a book rack. And I and I don't believe in coincidence, and I don't believe in luck. There was a book I knew was about Marines. It was written a guy, by a guy named Dobson, and the title of the book was Dare to Discipline. has to be mm. about Marines. Yeah. I was open, <laughs> open the book up just to a, a passage. As I often open the Bible, I'll just, I'll just open my Bible and just read whatever page I've turned to. And I opened up the page where Jim Dobson's describing the locket he, they're going to give their daughter on her 21st birthday, and I realized... If we go through the, with this divorce, that'll never happen to our daughter. Wow. And that started the process of change. We got it all back together and, and eventually led to the Lord and, and became the kinds of, I think, parents that came up with four wonderful kids and, and, and remarkable grandkids. And Amen. we've been blessed by all that. And to be able to say, as you just did, 
we've been blessed by that relationship and we've been able to show it to others and particularly these kids. And so that's why I say, I know what I want on the back of that gravestone at Arlington. He showed us how to fight the good fight, how to finish the race and how to keep the faith. That's so awesome, brother. I, when I got married, um, I guess the the extent of my theology was marry or burn. <laughs> and so basically I just wanted to be, get married. So I didn't sin in right. having sex. So yeah. I thought marriage would so- solve my lust problem. And boy, <laughs> was I in a rude awakening. And uh, it was through though, the process of getting married and then God breaking my heart over the abortion issue where he revealed to me the value of children. And it was through that process, brother, because when I got married, I thought I was a spiritual giant. I really did. (laughs) And uh, boy, uh, yeah, it was a, a serious wake up call. And I realized, you know, through the responsibility of being a husband and a father, just you know how selfish I was, how yeah. angry I was, how lustful I was. Yes, and uh, you know, and God, I, I, I tell my kids all the time, especially my older ones. I, I'm sorry, but I had to learn how to be a godly man and a husband and a father at your expense. But it's paid off. It's oh yeah, paid off. absolutely. And thank God, brother, for that <clears throat> for that process of of marriage and family and children because i don't believe our christian education is complete brother until we truly understand that's just not black ink on a white page yep the word of god and it has to be lived out or we're going to lose what's near and dear to us all true all true amen colonel north i you know i know i've i've only known you since about the 1990s but i i know that in all that time you have, you have honored Betsy and you have, um, um, I I don't have the words, um, but, but, but you have, you have honored and loved her um, publicly and, and you've shown us how to love our our lives. Okay. So, so, Anyway, uh, back to I know we uh, I know you have to you you've only got a couple more minutes here with us, but I want to go through the topics in the book uh, very quickly here. Sure, you cover you cover abortion, gun violence, and mass shootings, mob violence, defunding the police, human trafficking, child abuse and neglect, pornography, cancel culture and censorship, drug and alcohol abuse, corruption, lying, cheating, and stealing, road rage. Uh, the demise of the traditional family, gutter politics, and teen suicide. Um, and each one of those chapters has a what you can do section that offers strategies for individual Christians, churches, politicians to employ to turn America back from a path of destruction to a path of salvation and freedom. And I think the more often we talk that way, rather than some of these diatribes that we hear coming out of Washington particularly, Instead of going after them personally and, and, and pathologically, we believe that every problem offers a solution. Biblical morality reestablished in America, God's people standing for righteousness can bring God's forgiveness and healing to this country, not just to its individuals. Somebody asked me the other day, so what's what's the most what's the Bible verse that's on your mind right now? And and this was in a in a crowd of, of folks that I was out there talking. It was a political event. I said, you know what it is? Today, it's Romans 10, 9. It's a promise. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that can happen individually, and it can happen in this country. we got to bring God's forgiveness and healing back to this country because we need to beg for it, ask for it in prayer. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I that I love about the book is that you actually teach us how uh, you give us scripture references as a starting point. But uh, you know, of course, there are many more than you could list. But um, but but you teach us how to speak to people and have how to have that dialogue and how to start uh, turning hearts back toward Christ. So, the book is Tragic Consequences, The Price America's Paying for Neglecting or Rejecting God and How to Reclaim Our Culture for Christ. 
and you can find it at um, faithfultext.com and olivernorth.com. So, Colonel North, thank you for being here. I know you got to run, but uh, half hour is too short. You got to work. You got to tell David you'll 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 go you'll spring for an hour next time. God bless you both, Rob and Rusty. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Bless you, brother. Okay, Semper Fi. Amen. Amen. God bless. So, Rusty, you're 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 the man now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Rob. So. Rusty is an Army veteran. He spent six years as a traveling evangelist and a short-term missionary and two years as a pastor. In 1994, he became the assistant director of Operation Rescue National, Operation Save America, and he served in that position for 20 years before he became the national director in 2014. Rusty's ministries and battles have been covered extensively by the major media outlets, and many of you already know him very well. Uh, he's he's uh, he has 40 years of experience as a full-time minister, public speaker, and author of more books than I can count. So you can learn more about Rusty's ministry at his website elijahmin.com. Um, that is uh, got that there elijahmin.com. There you go. So that's Rusty's website, and Rusty also has a new book available which I think we talked a little bit about last time. I don't remember what we got into last time. I think we went on some rabbit trails. <laughs> so. I think we covered uh, the doctrine of blood guiltiness, Rob. That's right. Uh, that, right. So that, and I, I really don't have that chapter in this book. I have it in another book, uh, Abortion Violation. Mm-hmm. But uh, in light of everything that was going on, you really wanted us to cover that, brother, and its yeah. importance. Right, right. So anyway, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to get into here that has been heavy on my heart lately is I've been getting a lot of calls, uh, emails, texts, um, letters from people that are struggling with their kids who are announcing suddenly that they're either some form of LGBTQ plus or their transgender. And this stuff is, is just exploding as a cancer across the country. Um, in my own town, we've had now, um, I believe four teen suicides all from the same school. Uh, person contacted me and let me know that, uh, I believe their son is now on antidepressants and their daughter has just come out as transgender. Rusty, what what do we do here? What, I mean, what hope can we offer to these parents? What do we say to these kids? I mean, they're, they're being used, they're being manipulated, they're being exploited, groomed. Well, when you think about redemptive history, Rob, there's only um, probably two other generations that come up in redemptive history where the enemy went after the seed of man in a vicious way. That was the time when Moses was born, and it was the time when Christ was born. And so there is something brother that we have to understand about this generation it has to be important brother biblically spiritually uh, there has to be an incredible amount of importance in this generation because we haven't seen the enemy go after the seed of man like he has gone after this generation um you you named some of the tragic consequences, but through birth control, abortion, there is something that is so significant about the future that this generation represents that the enemy is seeking not only for the generation uh, to be born, but even when it's born, not to fulfill its purpose and its destiny in God. And so in other words, we we got to look at it biblically. We got to look at it strategically, brother. We got to get an understanding 
of what this generation represents for the future of this planet. And that we know it's important because of the way the enemy is attacking it. Just like when God's getting ready to deliver Israel out of Egypt, the Moses generation, what was the decree? You know, throw the male children uh, in, into the Nile. Why? Because God was getting ready to bring great deliverance to Israel. The same thing happened with Christ, brother. You know, when, when he is born, you know, the, the decree, murder, that you know, that every two-year-old male, you know, in Bethlehem, you know, murder them, get them out of the way. Why? Because God is fixing not just to deliver Israel, but to deliver the world through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we know when God is about to do something powerful, something great uh, that pertains to the future, he goes after the seed of men in a, in a futile attempt to try to stop the advancement of the kingdom of God. So what I would say, brother, yeah, it looks really bad and really negative, And it looks like our children are being captured by the evil one. And he is oppressing them and, and he is seeking to destroy them. But the question we have to also ask, okay, if that's the deal, then what is God's plan for the future concerning this generation? Because it has to be important, Rob. It has to be. We, and we know it simply by the attack of the evil one against this generation. He knows something about this generation that perhaps maybe the church and you and I don't know, but God certainly does. So in a sense, stick our, you know, our head in the sand and go, oh, you know, well, you know, oh, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. And, you know, it was really bad in the time of Moses and it was really bad in the time of Christ. But God arose, brother, and he did something miraculous. You know, and obviously then our hope and our prayer and what we got to do is to seek the Lord, uh, that he will arise, that he will break these demonic strongholds, you know, because these kids are suffering incredible torment, torture. You know, they're mutilating themselves. They're, 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 they're cutting themselves. They're crying out in pain. Well, and typically, and it's, it's in those dark moments, brother, that typically God arrives and he shines forth the jewel of his salvation, brother. So I know it's bad. And I know many parents' hearts are broken. They're weeping for their children. They sorrow for their children. I get that. But I will tell you, brother, uh, this is not over by a long shot. Not by a long shot. Uh, yeah, the enemy has his plans and we have our plans. And then God has his plan. And ultimately, that's the one that's going to be realized, and that's the one that's going to be established. At the same time, yes, we know this is really bad. Our children are suffering. But I am just telling you, brother, this story is not over by a long shot. Now we're going to see what God's going to do with this generation. Remember, brother, even when children of Israel are going into the land, right, the parents' idea was, we're going to be massacred. We're, you know, it's going to be an abject failure. And the very, it was the very parents that died in the wilderness. And it was the 20 year old uh, and younger, the one that they thought they were, that was going to be the prey, the one they thought was going to fail actually was the generation that brought them into the land. And so again, we have our perspective. The enemy obviously has his schemes, but then there's God's plan, Rob. There's God's plan. And God help us to see it, brother, to see the importance of this generation and why the enemy so viciously attacks this generation with such chaos and confusion. And they've got to see through that to say, all right, Lord, where are we going with this? What's your plan? And then obviously, brother, follow him and obey as best we can. Wow, you just uh, connected a lot of dots there that I had not considered uh, previously. I, and I dare say that our, our viewers didn't consider a lot of that either. Anyone in our studio audience have any questions, any comments? 
we got quite a few people here uh, watching. Anyone have any comments for, for Rusty? I do, Rob. Okay. Harry? The, the analogy of, of Moses and Jesus Christ, I've never heard that one before. I love it. I just it, it just fits what's going on better than anything I've ever heard before about the about the time that we're in. Yep, yep. But that and that's why, brothers and sisters, um, I I specifically when I'm training young men for the battle, the two things that I really stress and encourage, they have to be in-house theologians. And they have to be historians. We, we, we got to have a firm grasp of scripture and we got to have a firm grasp of history. Um, just like God gave us the sun, the greater light. He gave us the moon, the lesser light. That's the relationship between God's word and redemptive history. And, and we need to know that. I mean, like one of the reasons why God established in the Old Testament Ebenezer stone, right? stones of remembrance. And Rob, this, this relates to what we were talking about where Americans don't know their history. Yeah, and, right. and, and why is that? Well, because it's being rewritten and it's being revised to suit the leftist agenda. And we got to understand from the enemy's point of view, what's the surest way to destroy a people? Well, you sever their root system. You're separating the new, the biblical and the historical root system that has fueled and fed our tree of liberty and, and a tree of freedom. And so this is critically important as parents, as pastors, as Christians, as homeschoolers. We have them uh, critically important for our future and our hope you're freezing up there rusty on your on your internet feed so oh i'm sorry your audio is cutting in and out but but i you know i i understand i i i caught what you said i get it what what uh You said that we need to be you need to be watching and 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 looking up and and waiting for God to to move. What what do you feel is going to be happening here in the near future? Um, there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions on that. What are your thoughts? Well, I I do I, I do believe Rob. Uh, we we obviously are in difficult days and they may even get harder. There may be some things we're going to have to sludge through, um, but I do want to remind our brothers and sisters, there's always been a faith, a worldview, always waiting in the wings when humanism and rebellion against God, our creator, takes place, and that civilization or that empire runs that course. And, and I do believe, Rob, we are see. I, I think we're literally in the days where we're witnessing the death rattle, the death throes of secular humanism. I, I think that even average people in America are seeing that it's run its course and they see the, the devastation of its evil fruit. And uh, and so that's. Uh, our opportunity that that's our now if now again we got to have pastors that have eyes to see we got to have pastors that are watchmen on the wall they got to see okay humanism has run its course and it's turned out to be an enabler of perdition and depravity it's produced moral anarchy in our culture it's produced tyranny in our government and so now church now pastor now pulpit it's your opportunity to step on that battlefield and begin to lead the way back home. We, we, Rob, we're a prodigal nation. We have an incredible inheritance, incredible heritage that we have squandered and our children are paying the price for it. And so the prodigal nation has to 
come to its sense and realize that we have gone far from the father's house and we've been reduced to a pigsty existence yeah, and well so said. in other words we got to come to our moral and spiritual sense as a nation and say we're going back home we're going back home to the father and and we know that's where the inheritance is brother that's where the heritage is that's where the blessing is you know and so as pastors and and, and those that are in christian leadership we got to recognize remember like jesus said you, you know you know the signs of weather but you know don't know that you know the, the time of the season that you're in as a generation and we got to recognize, recognize, brother, what season we are in as a nation, as a civilization. And yes, it's bad. We can point out what's wrong. But then we got to look at, okay, then what is the opportunity for the Church of Jesus Christ? Where we know we're leadershipless, brother. We're, we're, we're being led astray. The, the, the people that are supposed to be in places of position of authority for our welfare have become our oppressors. And so what do we do? How do we respond to that as, as God's people? And, and, and then we have to see, well, there's an incredible opportunity to step into that void, brother, and you know, teach the Bible, teach history, and, and realize, you know, what is this opportunity to point this nation back to true liberty, true freedom, because we got we even have to define that issue, Rob, because America has taught freedom is the ability to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, with whomever you want to do it with. That is not freedom. We have turned liberty into licentiousness. True freedom that Christ brought true freedom that our founding fathers established for us as american citizens is the power to do as we ought the power to do what is right in other words our nation the reason why one of the reasons why it was great is right made might right made might that's why how we became a great and powerful nation well we we we've gone away from god We've turned our back on him. Like Colonel North said, we, we, we've given the official eviction notice, get out of our government, get out of our schools, leave our kids alone. And now our mentality is might makes right. When you have gazillionaires like Gates and Soros and all these different guys using their, their, their wealth, all right, to, to and use their might to make what they think is right. And obviously that's gutting our nation. It's literally rotten our nation. And so we definitely, brother, have some foundations we have to relay and restore and carefully build upon it for a future and a hope for our kids. Amen. Well said. Well said. We're down to about 10 minutes here, Rusty. And I know it's it's going to be tough, but I'm going to ask you to do something here that uh, I believe you can do. <laughs> tell us, first of all, about Elijah Ministries, and then tell us about what happened with you in the UK. Oh, my goodness. In 10 minutes. <laughs> well, <laughs> Elijah <laughs> Ministries, uh, that was our first personal ministry, brother. That was our teaching, preaching, writing ministry. It started with my first wife, Liz. She had an anointed singing ministry. We did drama together and I would preach and, you know, we would go in the churches and on the streets and fairs, prisons, schools. Um, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of evangelism work, you know, um, we did short term nature and I kept that ministry even when I became like assistant director of Operation Rescue, Operation Save America, and national director. I still kept it on the side for our family and, and, and for our, 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 our personal ministry, though we were serving other ministries in the battle. And so that's where, you know, it's through Elijah Ministries. I've written books and booklets and tracks and skits and plays and 
did a lot, a lot of writing, brother, um, which was really weird because I never really intended to do that. That's just something that developed uh, through the years. I wasn't intentional on it. Um, well, I didn't intend to be sitting here today either, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway, that's that's Elijah Ministries, brother. And, and, the, and really the goal of Elijah Ministries is to reform the church to restore America. Reform the church to restore America. It is to train Christians uh, a biblical worldview that will fulfill the Great Commission in time and history. That's pretty much the essence of Elijah Ministries, brother. So those are the kinds of themes that I really kind of hammer home when I get invited in churches and different, you know, uh, opportunities to minister. Now the UK. That was extraordinary on many levels, brother. I know. So apparently some of the, uh, the folks from Northern Ireland got wind of my book, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. And they started a ministry there called um, Northern I- uh, Abolish Abortion Northern Ireland. And so, Rob, they, they invited me to... A, a Zoom meeting similar to what we're doing now. Not just going to be a couple of guys, a couple of pastors, and it turned out it was a lot of people, not just Ireland, but in other nations in Europe, that was involved in this Zoom meeting. And so I really wasn't sure what they were wanting from me, and so I just kind of introduced myself and I just basically said, "I'm your servant. Do you need help?" Uh, how can I help you? And I just opened it up, Rob. And these different pastors and brothers and sisters began to pour out their heart. And it was basically twofold, brother. There was a deep hunger and a deep desire for God's visit Northern Ireland again with a heaven-sent revival that would translate to the abolition of abortion in their nation. And I heard their prayers run, and it was right from their bowels. I mean, it was right from their toes up through their body, through their bowels. There was a cry, brother, and it was real, and it was genuine, and it really touched my heart in a big way. And I was instantly, spiritually connected to these brethren. I mean, it was it, it, just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he did it. Nobody Mm-hmm. Tried to work it, make it happen. The Holy Spirit just showed up, knit us together. And so immediately, brother, they invited me to come to Northern Ireland. They called it the Awakening Tour, the Awakening Tour, which I'm thinking, I'm just some guy from Texas, you know what I mean, going to another nation, and they're expecting some guy from Texas to carry some like some awakening in a nation. It's a tall order, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah, I felt yeah. the pressure of it big time. And so I'm seeking God with all my work. I mean, like, this, this is serious. And put together a massive tour three and a half weeks. It was incredible. The favor, the uh, open doors, uh, Things that were scheduled, things that were not scheduled. There was all kinds of divine appointments. There was all kinds of incredible favor, both in church and in the, amongst the magistrates. Uh, I, I honestly, in all my years of ministry, I never experienced a reception like that. Um, it, it it just blew my mind, honestly, bro. Like I had to pinch myself to make sure they had the right guy. Because <laughs> like, this is not how I'm treated in America. I'm just yeah, telling you, yeah. it's not. You know? And so after a couple of weeks of just blowing and going, Holy Spirit moving, they're receiving the, the word, they're on board. Well, then the pro-aborts from America found out I was there and doing a work. And so what they did, brothers, they sliced and diced like certain messages that I did to make, you know, to turn me into this like white Nazi insurrectionist. 
the pro boards to this day are still tied to the January 6th deal. Like uh-huh. I'm one of the ringleaders, right, right? Right. And so they sent all this uh, propaganda uh, to all the media in Northern Ireland. And so we became like n- the number one uh, story in all the press in Northern Ireland. And, so you can't uh, buy that kind of advertising, shows. Rusty. Uh, no. <laughs> and so we were like the discussion of every talk show. Uh, and, the, and the question was, who is Pastor Rusty Thomas and why is he here? And and then they played these these clips that made me look out like I was some monster, you know, some Nazi white insurrectionist. So, uh, and one of the things they did, brothers, they uh, they took part of a message I did where I lift my hand and I'm saying Jesus is my Führer. Okay, and that's what they used to try to claim that I was some Nazi. What they left out is I'm quoting Martin Niemöller during the Holocaust, where he had a choice to make. Is Hitler his Fuhrer or is Christ his Lord? And that that was his point. Well, they take it out of context. And believe me, the enemy used it for (laughs) all its worth, Hmm. brother. And so, and then I got invited to this political rally. And that was interesting. Uh, So what happened there, Rob, was one of the organizers of the political rally came to one of my meetings when I was preaching on revival. And so he invited me to this pretty large political rally. There was thousands and thousands of people gathered. And he asked if I would open up the meeting with a prayer. And he even allowed me to march, brother, with the, the, the political leaders, which is unheard of. That does not happen. It doesn't happen for a citizen in Northern Ireland, let alone a foreigner. But he literally put me with the political leaders in this march towards this meeting. It was an incredible honor, brother. And here's another interesting thing. And but as I'm marching, they're not calling the political names. The, the people on the parade are calling my name. Rusty. Rusty. And I'm like, am I, am I in Twilight Zone? <laughs> this, 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 this is like, I don't even know what to make of this. It's like mm. another world. It's otherworldly. Right? So I get to the to the uh, meeting, brother, and it's a 240-second commentary in prayer, and you might as well have thrown a nuclear bomb in Northern Ireland. It now the people themselves cheered. They they cheered it, but politically it blew up. Hmm. It it really like became an international incident to the point the feminists were demanding the prime minister of England kick me out of Northern Ireland. Wow! Uh, and so a, a lot happened, brother. Uh, obviously, the powers that be uh, we disturbed the forest big time. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, the interesting thing is they've invited me back uh, in October. So God only knows what's uh, awaiting my return. But it it was it was a phenomenal time, brother. It truly was. Well, your your work is not yet done there, I'm sure. So. Amen. So, yeah, that's that's incredible. That 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 does things like that don't just happen, folks. Um, Yeah. I've heard so many. So many stories from people who've stepped out in faith and gone to minister, and God has done such miraculous things. Um, but things like that just don't happen. Well, so. I tell people, Rob, all the time, um, you don't view Christianity as the greatest adventure in all of life. You're doing it wrong. (laughs) You're doing Christianity wrong because it is the greatest adventure you could possibly imagine. Yeah. 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 When you follow him, when you serve him. Well, Rusty, we're out of time here, um, but I do thank you for being here with us again today. We're going to have to pick this up next time. Um, Next week, we have uh, John Dislin, will be my guest, and we'll be talking about his book, uh, Nehemiah Strong. 
and uh, John is, is another powerful minister that uh, you're not going to want to miss. So that's next Tuesday at the same time. Uh, meanwhile, you can find uh, Oliver North at olivernorth.com, and you can find Rusty at elijahmen.com. And Rusty, thank you again. We'll see folks all again next week. God bless. Bless you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.